every Wednesday, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. A show about endurance, human performance, and what it really means to feel alive and present. Presented to you by Javier Pineda. The biggest thing that I got from September 11th was that everybody work together. One thing that I always take away as a positive that there was not a single person on that scene that wasn't going for that ultimate purpose of helping out humanity, helping other people. Our limitations are not time, our limitations are beliefs. For me, that was a, a great realization that I wasn't out there to just finish on time, I was out there to finish to help other people believe that Iron Man's model, anything is possible. It's so true, but you have to feel it to be able to believe it in yourself. Rob, thank you very much for, for uh, honestly being on the show. Yeah, definitely. For all those listening and uh, viewing the show, Rob, I'm sure that you have seen him or heard of him somewhere. And uh, if you have seen him, you have probably seen him uh, running a marathon or an Ironman in a full firefighter suit. And... Um, yeah, man, and you've been on the news, you've been on tons of podcasts, and uh, you're you're an all-around guy, and I don't know uh, where you have the time, dude. I mean, it's um, <laughs> it's really a firefighter, an Ironman recorder, it's, uh, you have the whole thing going for you, brother. Thank you very much for being on the show. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's, it's always good to be able to tell the story. That's, you know, you can impact others, people, and maybe drive them to do something that they never thought was possible. And that's, that's really why I did this. I started all this. And let me ask you, what made you become a firefighter? Uh, what was uh, your initial, because being a firefighter, I mean, I have two kids and my youngest one, every time he sees a policeman, a firefighter or any soldier, just he, he wants to become that. He was like, that's what I'm going to be when I, and like yeah. anybody, what made you become a firefighter? What was your decision making? My path was a little different. You know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a doctor, you know, it was one of those things. And, uh, uh, as I, as I grew up, I was always into sports. I was always really active. And when I, I got, I played college basketball, I played college water polo, which is the oddest thing. I know most people look at it like, what are you, water polo? But, uh, you know, I did all that stuff. and it's a good sport, man. Yeah, it's a great sport. Oh, it's, it's, it's vicious, that's for sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I always liked um, the fields of helping other people. You know, I was a lifeguard. I uh, did uh, CPR and first aid. And so becoming a firefighter just kind of aligned with everything that I loved to do. It was, it was very dynamic. You never knew what you were going to get when you came to work every single day and it was physical and and also just the mental side of it to to be able to persevere and help people in situations where they're in stress. Um, it was one of those things where I just I just loved the aspect of it, and you know here I am twenty well twenty three years later, and uh, I, I I love it. It's a little harder on me now because I'm old, but uh, it's it's been a it's been a really good journey. That's for sure. Horseshit! How old are you? Oh, I'm forty four. I turned forty five next year. I know I look 60. We're almost the same age. We're <laughs> We're almost, I feel 80. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Sometimes we do. But hey, listen, I had one of my friends, one of my colleagues actually just became a firefighter. And uh, he was late in his 30s or in uh, reaching oh, wow. 40. Yeah. And um, 
Yeah, he was a trainer before becoming a, a now a firefighter. Kudos to him, man. But I mean, I, I, he says that he's the oldest one in, in uh, his group. I can imagine. But did you know how the firefighting business was going to be for you? I mean, before you going in or you just, I mean, I'm just going to dive head first and see what happens. Yeah. I, so I went through a fire academy first, but it doesn't really prepare you for like once you get into firefighting, the, the life of a firefighter, because it is, um, there's many different stresses on you. And when I got into the fire service in the beginning, it was, it was a different fire service. It was that macho machismo uh, fire service where you don't talk about um, issues you're having. You know, if you have some uh, a pain in your shoulder or a pain in your neck, you just you kind of rub some dirt on it and get through it. I think it's it's changed a lot over time, and I think it's for the uh, better of the fire service. A lot of mental health uh, issues come from the um, being a firefighter. Definitely, um, we do medical as well, and it's it's accumulation over time. And I I don't think I I wasn't prepared for that, and I didn't know what that would do to my life, how that would affect my life, and physically. I mean, it just beats you up. Um, it's a great profession, but it beats you up. Only imagine. I mean, and I'm sure with a lot as we get older, I mean, it's aches and pains and oh. <laughs> things that you only read about or just heard about are yeah. coming to light. And you you touched on mental health. What can can um, can I ask you? I mean, if it's not too much. I mean, what what happened that I mean, you started feeling some like any traumatic event that just like it was hard for you to deal with, or what was it that? Yeah. Was it before you got became a firefighter? No, it, it's accumulation. There's a lot of things that happen. I mean, from my military, being in the military, to um, I did search and recovery after the September 11th attacks, and just accumulation of calls. I, I think a lot of times people are like, oh, is, it, is this a one thing? And a lot of times people just, I always equate it to this. So think about a closet and think about, you're putting boxes into that closet and all the boxes are traumatic incidents that happened or, or things that bothered you, you know, that you never really dealt with. And when you're a rookie or when you're early on in your uh, career, what you do is you just shove those boxes in. They're all different shapes and sizes round. And um, as you're shoving them into the closet, there's no organization to it. And so every time you open that closet to put it in a new trauma or a new memory or something else, all these other traumas fall on top of you. And so as you continue through your career, you're just constantly struggling because of, you know, uh, a bad car accident or a death from a fire or, you know, just simple things. You know, I had calls when my son was eight years old where we had an eight-year-old on a call um, that we're dealing with and it, and it just strikes you because it's, it's personal. You know, we're humans too. We do a job that a lot of people don't want to do, but we're humans too, and we have emotions and, you know, it bundles up inside of you. And for me, it bundled up a long time before I really actually started to verbalize it and actually, um, say that there was something, there's something wrong. I need to have some solutions to this. And actually that, that's when, uh, triathlon kind of saved my life. And, um, wow. Um, <laughs> you know what it's, I can relate to, to the fact of, uh, having triathlons as a catapult in a way, because I read some of your, uh, most of your story and, um, triathlons in a way it saved my life as well in many ways, but it, it, in the sense of belonging to something in a sense of enduring on something, what was it for you? I mean, what, I mean, did you, 
I mean, the, since the first triathlon, did it click for you? Is this like, whoa, this is what I needed as my therapy? Or was it need, you needed to verbalize this to somebody? I think triathlon, you know, I didn't really know what it was going to give me at first. And I, so I had done a few triathlons before I started to do them in gear. And for me, when I started to do it in gear and, and after the, on the 10th anniversary of September 11th, it landed on Ironman Wisconsin. I wanted to kind of do it for, um, to have people remember, to have people take away whatever they are going to take away from that day with me wearing my full fire gear for the run portion. Um, for me, mm. it's a walk, <laughs> yeah. not really a fast yeah. run at all. Uh, but <laughs> for me, I, I, you know, I didn't realize what it would transition into. And I, I you know, I didn't want to talk about nine 11 at first. And most people would take away, they were just so proud and so happy to see me that day walking and, and struggling and, and persevering at the end. And I think the triathlon after I, you know, done 22 fulls and 28 halves in full gear, um, many years later, I realized that the pain of that day, the pain and the struggle that I would go through and the, the mental side of me having to combat with myself and my own demons in my head throughout that day, because, you, you know, cheering and all this accolades can only do so much. Mm -hmm. But when you're have that self-talk on the bike, you know what I'm talking about oh, yeah. and in the swim and on the run, that's where I, I really learned to talk to myself in a manner that I could be a different person. And I think that that is such a powerful thing that that endurance sports brings um, whether you're winning or you're dead last, like me, usually, um, you are struggling through that course with your own body, with your own mind, along with many other people who have so many different stories. And I think triathlon to me is such a powerful, powerful way of really delivering the human spirit to other people. Yep. Yeah, you said it. Did you have a mantra or any, anything that you kept repeating to yourself? I know I did. For me, triathlons, it just made me realize how much of a negative self-talker I was and how much I would put myself down and sabotage my own self. And this is, again, this is what in a way was ther therapeutic because I started learning how to just tell myself, you know what? It's okay, man. It's perfectly fine. Just keep going. It's just do the things that you can and you have control with and keep going. You don't... so. Yeah, I mean, it's so I had I started creating a mantra of positive things to reinforce my my finishing sometimes or whenever I didn't finish, I would just, you know what, there are races that I it's OK to not finish. You don't have to finish them all or just be at the top of them all. So what was your experience like? My mantra that I usually used was your strength is in your passion. And for me, it was, you know, obviously different people have different passions and purposes throughout their life. And. For me, it was just to survive. Really, it was to survive in my own life, in my own skin, in my own head. And so I found that my strength was to um, impact others, to help impact myself and continue to move forward with a, with a positive mental outlook on what I was doing. And so, yeah, I would, does it work all the time? No. <laughs> I mean, there's many times where I tell myself that and I, I look at myself and I go, yeah, you're a bunch of crap. <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, that, that's, it's a great mantra, Rob, and you know, the self-talk and it's like, oh, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's a great book cover, but 
right now my back hurts my my legs hurt i'm i'm chafed i'm you know i'm hungry it's like so the reality is and this is always is funny is like everybody's like oh man you must have such good mental strength and everything i was like yeah i do but also i'm human there's moments where i'm like what am i doing this is dumb yeah. <laughs> you just should have just offered him your own tank you carry this yeah, tank yeah me. yeah can you do this for me <laughs> yeah, for a second i'm gonna just go into the bathroom <laughs> i'm gonna take a break <laughs> that's that, that's something i wanted to ask you because i'm picturing you in transitions, in triathlons, in Ironmans especially, <laughs> for those who don't know, I mean, in transition area, we bring our stuff in. We have to bring oh, yeah. our, our nutrition, especially in Ironmans, we bring our nutrition in. We bring everything that we're going to be drinking and eating for that day. Of course, there are uh, there is food in the, on the course, mm-hmm. but you have to have everything ready. I mean, yeah. you change your clothes, uh, your helmets. I mean, you brought in a full firefighter gear. I mean, oh, I, don't, I don't think you swam with that thing because you would sink like a rock. No, no. It, yeah. I, but it, for the run portion, it was funny when I got, to, I got to do uh Ironman Kona in 2012. And, uh, so you always have an Ironman, you have wow. these little bags, these little bags. And, uh, I would go into the transition. I have these, this huge black bag of like, I have my, my tank in there, my helmet, my, my, uh, bunker gear, my pants and my jacket, and then like my other stuff. And it's huge. And I just tie the bag on the outside so they see it. And, and I'm walking in and this lady's like, you, you, you can't take that in here. I was like, <laughs> this is my race gear. She's like, no, no, no. You have to fit it all in the bag. I was like, if you could fit it in the bag, I will give you $100. And she's like, but I can't. And then it was great because Andrew Messick at that moment walked up and uh-huh. he's the CEO of Ironman. He's like, yeah, he, he's uh-huh. fine. But uh, to, to the point is like they hang up these bags and Kona. So when you come in and you run around and they have these people get your bags for you. So I'm, I get in on the bike and, you know, and I'm running around the thing and they're looking at your bib and I can't remember what my number was, but like 149, one, they're yelling 149, this old guy is over there and he's looking for the bags and he's looking for the bags and he sees it underneath because it it wouldn't, it would take down the whole structure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's this big black bag sitting underneath and he looks at it and looks at me and looks at it and looks at me and he goes, and he shakes his head. He goes, nah, I'm not going to get that for you. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. At least you could have done. But yeah, no, it's my bags were a little different in transition. That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> and also, I mean, it's like for it, for an, a half Ironman. Yeah. Not, I mean, the Ironmans are a little bit more structured, but the half Ironmans, it's almost like a local race. Oh, and, I know. Uh, yeah. So you, your, your space is your your own real estate is is precious man so yeah. whenever somebody just kind of just shifts some shoes or anything on my side i just i get pissed i mean because that's my that's my space dude don't yeah your space must have been like a whole they would section <laughs> of well, a <laughs> well they would uh, you know I, it was it was great because a lot of races would um would accommodate for for me to put my gear they'd either put me on the end or they'd, they'd put my gear behind something and then they'd bring it out for me. It was great. I mean, that was the cool part too, is like a lot of these races really embraced it and really, you know, saw it as, saw it as something that was an added bonus for people to impact their races. Um, whereas I saw it as pain, but it, I mean, it was good. But I, mm. I, I loved that aspect of, um, you know, Ironman hits, 
uh, you name it, uh, great uh, Floridian. There's so many good, great races oh, that, that race. really opened up um, and really embraced what I was doing to be able to have it happen. And, and, and I loved it. That, that was cool to me. And did you, do you think the firefighting training helped you to achieve, I mean, great success in triathlons or marathons or any, any other endurance event that you would register for? I mean, what was, what was your firefighting training or, and do you guys have to retest every year? What's it like? Yeah. So we have personal standards that we go through. And, and so it just tests if you're, you know, physically fit to be able to continue the job. And, you know, honestly, I think the, the training part that helped me the most from firefighting and, and, and these triathlons was, was that resilience piece and the faith. I always talk about faith over fear, like faith in yourself over the fears that surround us. In firefighting, that's that's huge because you're running into a burning building or you're going into a medical situation where you don't know all of the aspects uh, uh, that are going into it. And same thing goes for triathlon is that when you go into the event, um, you can't dial up the weather of that day. You can't dial in if your nutrition is going to work, if you're going to be dehydrated, if you're going to get cramps, if you're going to fall off your bike, your tire is flat, um, you know... <laughs> There was a course in Florida that I did that there was more roadkill on the side of the road. And I'm looking, I'm like, God, this isn't really good. I mean, they're, they're hitting I, things. I I'm going to get hit next. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so you're, you know, there's so many factors that go into this where you don't know what's going to happen next that, you know, you have to be able to just continue on. And I think that's for, for me, the firefighting aspect that helped was that the faith in who I was and what I was able to do. And that just caused me to be resilient and stubborn and uh, just want to finish no matter what my, I finished Ironman St. George, um, in 2015, I finished at one 30 in the morning cause I was stubborn and just kept walking on the side sidewalks. Cause I was like, you know what, you can take down the course. I don't care. Um, but I'm going to finish this one. People waited for you or they were just, I mean, wrapping everything up. People walked with me from the city of St. George. I had like 12 people. They had a fire truck in front, police car behind. And actually, when I got to the finish line, um, the race director, that was a, that was the year that it was, it was crazy. The swim, they had like two, three foot swells on the swim. The bike was just hot. I was yelling at rocks and squirrels and I was angry. Um, but yeah, at the finish line, Meredith Kessler stayed around and then the race director stayed around. They had taken on the structures, but it was it was so cool and it was such a testament to understanding that our limitations are not time our limitations are beliefs and for for me that was a a great realization that i wasn't out there to just finish on time i was finished out there to finish to help other people believe that um that it, you know iron man's motto anything is possible it's so true but you have to feel it to be able to believe it in yourself I, wow, that hit home for me, man. Because yeah, because we set our own limitations, and um, it's it's crazy. As um, I got two kids, and uh, my uh, oldest daughter, she sees me work out at uh, out in the patio, do kettlebells and all that fun stuff. She, one day, she just came into this uh, sixteen kilo uh, kettlebell, and she just started deadlifting. And she's uh, <laughs> she was five years old at the time. No and, kidding. And I just opened up my eyes and like, holy shit. But and I didn't, I didn't say like just be careful with your toes. So she kept on going. She's like, look, daddy, like you. But 
That's it, awesome. It, I had that aha moment that yeah. uh, the ones that I was, I let people put limitations on me. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, I mean, it's like, it's when you acknowledge that there, there are limitations uh, that you believe them because they are. And then you, those beliefs are just beliefs. They're nothing. Yeah. You yeah. just start bringing them down and you said it. And it's, but I'm curious, you're still a firefighter and, um, you did all these races and I'm, I'm just doing the math here, like the total stress score <laughs> that you must have. <laughs> oh, I have a lot of frequent flyer miles. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I know, man. And it's, I mean, um, God bless you. Cause I mean, it's, cause it's almost like burning both ends of the candle. Oh yeah. No, it was, uh, you know, I look back and in 2015, I broke the world record for the most number of halves in one year. And, some of them are full, actually, triathlons. And I did it all in fire gear. And that was 23. And I, I look back at that and I, I, <laughs> I sit and pinch myself because I'm like, did I really do that? Did I, was that even possible? Because like I still had my family, I was still speaking, I was still, you know, working at the firehouse. I still had to, you know, live my own life. Um, but it was, you know, I think it's at that point, and this is another great part of um, triathlons, is that, you know, you you look at the support structure around you, um, and we don't get to where we are because of ourselves. A lot of times we get to where we are because we push ourselves, but we have other people that help us along the way. And you look at those volunteers and the triathlons. I mean, my Lord, they're out there for the whole day helping you to achieve a dream. And you know, my family sacrificed a lot so that I could, you know, go and get a piece of paper that sits on my wall and has dust on it all the time. I have to dust it. It's terrible. Um, <laughs> but it was more than that. It was it was something that I did to impact people's lives and, and also at the same time to save mine. And that support structure is something that I, I don't take for granted anymore. It's, you know, I, I appreciate it. And the things that I do now, and I'm not perfect in any, any way, shape or form, but I know that what I do, my actions, my words, kind of like what you did with your daughter, my, they carry weight and they carry weight everywhere that I do it. And, you know, I was blessed to be able to, um, have the stubbornness to be able to finish all those races and, uh, but also blessed to have the people be beside me, um, to be able to help me to finish those. What did your friends at the back at the fire station say when you came back from an Ironman? Um, I got harassed. I mean, I'm curious. I mean, did they cheer on you? Did they, or they, they just like, oh, what's up, Rob? Just, hey, get me that. What, what was that reaction? <laughs> you know, the fire service is a family. It's a family, but it's, it's a funny family. We, we uh, joke around with each other. And, you know, I still, I get called Fireman Rob at work all the time. And, you know, it's, it, it's, a, <laughs> yeah, it's really great. Um, but it, it, it's just a, it's a jovial thing. I mean, I think a lot of them don't, understand why I did it. And, you know, once I started being able to put into words why I did it, um, I think it was uh, very impactful for a lot of them, um, whether they say it or not. But also, I, I know that the cool part about this is when, you know, going back to your daughter, your daughter was mimicking what you're doing, because she mm-hmm. saw it as a positive. And I've seen numerous firefighters, police officers, um, FBI, you know, federal agents, who have done races and gear now 
after I did it and um, started in 2011 and have done triathlons and things like that, that to me is so powerful to have that means in which I did it that year uh, impact enough people to be able to have them transition and, and impact lives through them doing it. And because I have limitations, you know, at this point, um, I have to have knee surgery now. And so I'm, I can't do these races like I used to. And so it's cool to have a next generation of people pushing that envelope and saying, Hey, I want to carry that torch. I want to make that impact that you did as well. Man, sorry about that knee surgery. I just had knee surgery myself, man. It's it sucks. I mean, I guess we're getting to that age. I mean, my medial meniscus, which is the meniscus that sits in the in the inside of the knee. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I got uh, I got thirty percent of it removed. Just <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, I get to have a knee replacement. That's the fun part. Oh, I, I had that medial meniscus. I had two surgeries, and now I have to have a, a partial knee replacement. So I'm like. It, oh. it's wear and tear on the body, you know, and it's, yeah. it's the next, uh, next adventure. Maybe I'll see if I can, uh, it'll hold up in a marathon with fire gear. You never know. Surgeon you know, one like that. <laughs> <laughs> True that. I mean, it's going back to September 11th. I, um, cause I know a lot of people that became firefighters after September 11th, or they became, uh, part of the military after September 11th there was a sense of patriotism and a sense of just wanting to uh, give back to what they have just witnessed. And, um, man, I mean, if, uh, if I would have, I mean, I was too old for that, but I mean, if I would have had the opportunity, I mean, I would have joined something, but I mean, but, but I felt that patriotism in the air. And, um, so there were a lot of events. I remember there was this, uh, climb the stairs event here that we have in Miami, which is not, we don't have tall, tall buildings like uh, New York has, but there's this, climb up the stairs event. Um, and it's, I think it was 40 floors, not even. And, uh, so they would throw you by intervals uh, one at a time. And, uh, my wife and I uh, did this. And, uh, as I was going up, I mean, I started gassing like in 20 something. I mean, it's just literally <laughs> just walking. And yeah. then I just see firefighters going up. I mean, cause they was part of their, their thing, you know? So I'm like, Holy shit. And I just <laughs> think, yeah, these motherfuckers would, would go up 80 plus floors, then go back down, then go back up again, 80 something. So I'm like thinking, holy shit. I mean, it's, yeah. this is, I mean, this is where I was like, the respect just quadrupled, <laughs> yeah. quadrupled in terms of physical fitness, mental fitness, everything fitness. I mean, it's yeah. like the full athlete right there. And uh, what you, you were in the search and recovery but then again, you were you were going through a lot of debris, a lot of things that required your physical fitness and of course emotional fitness, because you were this is where you were seeing a lot of the raw thing. Uh, yeah. Raw event of, of, of the event, you know? Yeah. So I can think you I, talk I, about it? Yeah. I mean, that was I was twenty three years old when that happened. Um and I got out there the day after. And you know what? It's changed my life in so many different ways and and my views um, of it and from it have changed throughout time as well. I mean, uh, initially, I didn't know how much it impacted me um, as a person. Um, I didn't know the the scars or the the um, detriment that it would cause me. As I went through life and I, I was able to start maybe you know telling some of the stories, obviously, some of them live with me. I mean, that's the thing is like they live with me and live in my mind. And 
it's harder to be able to tell some of them than others. But I think the biggest thing that I, that I, yeah, this is the biggest thing that I got from September 11th was um, that everybody worked together. I think that was something at one, like you said, the patriotism, that's one thing that I always take away as a positive that there was not a single person in that, uh, on that pile or, you know, on that scene that, uh, wasn't going for that ultimate purpose of helping out humanity, helping other people. And it didn't matter what you asked for a task, whether it was being a tunnel rat, whether it was, you know, mapping out, uh, for the search and rescue, whether it was, you know, uh, doing bucket brigades for, uh, clearing out areas, it didn't matter. People didn't hesitate to say, yes, I'll do that. And that, that to me is something that we're missing right now. Um, that to me is something that we need to get back to. Not, not just when there's traumatic events, not just when there's things that, um, are catastrophes, but if we could just work together, <laughs> doesn't matter um, who you are, where you come from, what you believe in. If we could just work together just for humanity, just to help save everybody's life, that's what it's about. And, and 9-11 really in the beginning, it was a um, dark, dark place for me to think about. But from that um, also came uh, being able to see that light through the darkness and being able to see that Sometimes it may be very dim, but you have to make sure that you're looking at um, the positives to be able to continue through. And and for me, at 23 years old, I had no idea what I was getting into. No idea. I'd only had one year in the fire service, so that that was a it was a different time in my life and um, something I always remember. And they always say never never forget. Um, yes, never forget, but always remember. Um, the lessons learned from it and continue to grow. And I think that's the biggest thing. Did you have a therapist or something that you, or somebody on your shoulder, like a, a friend that you had to talk to just to get it out of your system and just. Yeah. yeah many years I didn't talk about it. I, I went to a therapist right off the bat and, um, and, and this is, it's a journey that all of us have. It's different journeys, you know? And initially I didn't, I didn't understand how to talk about it. I didn't. I, and I think some of the therapists I went to didn't understand what the hell I went through. And, you know, um, I had ones that cried when I told them stories and I was like, why are you crying? That's not. And I had ones that, <laughs> you know, would ask me about certain things I didn't want to talk about. And, and so I think it, it took a lot of time and, and, you know, really fast forward, like I didn't really want to be identified as having PTSD for many, many years. And I actually used alcohol. I, um, I had suicidal tendencies. I, there was a lot of things that went on in my life, um, that were not positive that I was coping in ways that weren't, um, productive in any way, shape or form. And eventually it got to a point where, you know, I, I talked to two or three different therapists now and, you know, and I've gotten to a point where I can, I can continue to talk about it, but it's not easy. You don't get a day off. And I think that's what a lot of people think is like, oh, you're going to, you're going to get healed. And it's like, you can get to a point where you feel good, but there's always going to be days that are, that are down and that's okay. That's okay to have a down day. That's okay to have, um, moments where you're not yourself, you know? And I, I think, you know, in triathlon, like we were talking about before, 
there's days that you're going to suck. <laughs> there's days that you're going to suck oh, yeah. and that's okay. Yeah. But how do you get through that day? How do you continue to move forward? And that's what, uh, it took me many years to figure out. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's, um, I feel that, I mean, everybody should have a therapist. Oh yeah. Honestly, by far. Everybody should have a therapist and we're past the time that it's, that it's bad to have one. Right. In, I remember in grade school, I mean, it's like if you would have a therapist, you're like, oh, yeah, you exactly, exactly. No, man. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. But uh, what are you suffering from? But there's, there's many ways that speaking, I think, I mean, or just identifying emotions yeah. is a big step. Because, oh. I mean, for me, I couldn't identify a lot of emotions. I just felt a lot of happiness or a lot of sadness, but I didn't realize what those emotions were on both ends yep. of the spectrum. But I, it's once I just started verbalizing and identifying all those emotions and the, and what happened that got me there, that I started just, okay, and the racing would, uh, or just being in endurance training, I didn't even have to race for me to just understand me myself yeah. even better. Oh, it, co makes it completely sense. makes sense. Or understand my thoughts Oh, it completely better. makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and even on, right now on COVID, when we were shut down, I, I, uh, if I worked out once, uh, once a day was not enough. I needed to work out maybe twice because, or just and talk to my therapist over over the phone, and uh, all these things just so I can keep myself of sanity because it's uh, I have two kids that are yeah. looking up to me, and uh, it's it's like the saying, you know, if you're in a war and you you just see the general weeping in tears, you know yeah. that you're fucked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, Exactly. It's yeah. like, you know, it's that, it's that process. You kind of, yeah. I mean, it's, it's that process, of course. And it's, uh, um, I can only imagine what you saw and what you heard and uh, what you went through. And, uh, I'm sure that the healing, like you said, it's just a non-stop yeah. yeah. process because that just uncovered more things from your past, I guess. You know, and that's the thing is like, you know, concrete dust gets me. There's all sorts of things that, you know, that, that can trigger it. And, I, and you know, I, I think it's powerful to understand that everybody's mental health journey is different. And so the things that work for me are the things that don't work for me or that, you know, certain days that I don't have good days and things like that, that that's my journey. And, and, and people can comment on it and people can say, oh, well, you should be past that or you should use this or you should use that. And it's, that's great. It's great information to take, but I always tell people, you know, don't, don't put yourself into somebody else's mental health journey because I think we try to help a lot, but sometimes when we help, we're not, we're more enabling them by saying, Hey, this is, this is what I should, I do. This will work for you. And it's like, no, this is an option. We want to have a toolbox. You know, it's, it's no different than uh, when you look at nutrition for triathlon. Everybody has different nutrition toolbox. You know, I can tell you, Hey, you know, take the right stuff, hydration. It's going to be great for you, but maybe that's not the best for you. So you're going to say, Oh, I, I use this. And it's like, Oh, okay, that's great. Maybe I'll try some of that too. You know? So I think that's the same with mental health is be open to giving suggestions, but don't put your mental health, um, tools or your mental health journey on somebody else's and i think that's that's a huge thing for people to understand and you mentioned that you became uh suicidal at one point and uh i can i can relate to it i mean it's uh i was at one point in that in that um uh, my son passed away my first one passed away and there was 
there were very dark moments at one point that I was on a bike. And I was, when they say that depression, I mean, I didn't realize that I, for me, so for the longest time, I thought depression was something like a self-pity thing. I didn't realize depression could be very clinical in a way that you can fall in a depression if you're not careful. And, um, and it just comes in without any warning. And I remember being on a bike and it's just like, it's, my son had just been, must have been like a week or so since he passed. And uh, I was just looking for, how do I put this? Like I was looking to join him in a way, just going through red lights, just uh, on my bike. I was just going through stop signs, not even looking, just waiting to get hit. Not that I was in the middle of a road or just, but I mean, it was in a way, I was almost, uh, I was afraid of doing that because I really did not want to be in that position, but I wanted to be out of my, out of where I was, what I was feeling that I wanted to, I was doing what I was doing. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I, um, completely makes sense to me. I mean, what was your experience that, I mean, it's my, my, my experience was basically just started again, going back and starting talking about it and, and identifying all those things on time when they happened. That's a, I mean, a perfect analogy is what you said. It's, it's kind of like a stoplight where there's no yellow and realistically it's like you're going, going, going. And then all of a sudden the red hits and either you can slam on your brakes or just go through and just pretend, you know, well, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I think that, that is the analogy of like, when you get that depression is like, you know, and if you slam on the brakes, you know that you're going to get hurt, you know? And I think mm. there's no great answer to that. And that's where everybody's journey is unique. And for me, you know, I don't always talk about like, uh, my, my issues with, um, my tendencies because it's just, it's just what it is. But I think mm-hmm. for me, it's, you know, the mind is a scary place. Your mind, my mind, oh, yeah. um, it's a scary place. And, for us to continue to navigate um, that mind, um, we have to constantly have some worth, um, some forward movement. And for me, I have to constantly, you know, a lot of times I'm, I'm very, I'm just very busy doing things. I'm either very busy or I'm sleeping. <laughs> it's one of those things. There's no, there's <laughs> no like, like there's no yellow. And I think for, for me, um, I'm, I'm slowly trying to find that yellow space. Um, it's not, not, not perfect. Um, it's not, you know, I'm, I'm maybe at like a 20%, 20, 30%, but I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing good. You know, I'm here. And I think that's, I always say the quote, you know, you gotta be okay with b- being okay. And you have to be okay with not being full. You have to be okay with being, my goal is three quarters, three quarter full tank on a day. That's my goal. I'm not, I'm not going to get to full. That's okay. I'm okay with that. Um, and having that ability to tell yourself that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to get to three quarters. If I get to three quarters, great. If I get to half, all right, let's work harder next day to try to get to three quarters. But realizing what, what your perspective of what you're capable of is probably the biggest thing to do. I mean, I I mean, it's just like you, I have all these questions like, Man, it's just. Uh, I love that you shared what you did because that's that's huge. To I'm me. gonna skip ahead and just. Uh, oh, it's just uh, it because I mean we have a lot in common. This is what I was looking forward to. Just I mean 
talking to you about this, that even though the experiences or the situations are not the same, but how we interpret them. Yes. That's what makes it such a unique experience because situations happen. I mean, it's like COVID happened to everybody. I mean, September 11th happened to everybody. Just how we interpret it, how... It's all perspective, you know, and, and, and perspectives change. It's all perspective. Exactly. You can change your perspective. Exactly. So we have this three question block here at the show. One of the questions is very tied into to what I was asking in the sense of at what moment did endurance play a major role in the sense that it made you just like, wow, I'm superhuman or quote unquote superhuman, yeah. maybe in Hawaii. Was that, was there a specific moment in time that you were like, shit, man. I mean, I, this, this endurance thing really made me superhuman. You know, actually, I think it was probably, um, I would honestly say it was during that Guinness world record year. And it was, um, (laughs) one of the races where there was only 200 people in the race. It wasn't an Ironman. It wasn't a big race. And literally it was me versus me and no fanfare, backcountry roads you had to kind of figure out where you're going aid stations were not frequent and realistically that was probably one of the biggest moments where i have i i felt and then believed in myself more than i ever could um because it was it was really there was no fanfare there was nothing there i had i had driven down the night before stayed in my car at a quick trip in the parking lot, woke up, got got a sandwich from quick trip, went to the start line and, and got in, did the race. You know, it was like 98 degrees that day, but it was, it was one of those moments where it was like, all right, I got this. I can do this. It was, yeah, it was, it was a totally different experience, but that was kind of that moment when I realized, you know, I was, um, super stupid human. (laughs) <laughs> i gotta add that other word in there <laughs> yeah well you know what it is if some people ask us i mean it's like oh i mean it's all these iron man things i mean they're just a waste of money and time no they're valuable yes and no man it's i mean the best but therapy it's, session you'll it's ever a have weird, it's a weird response <laughs> exactly it's one of the best experiences that you'll ever have and um you don't have to be doing a full iron man or an iron man or even there's some I guess something that'll test your human spirit or something that'll test your human inner strength and endurance. It could be anything. I don't know who uh, said it. I, I remember hearing an Ironman, but um, I think it was Woody Hayes. He was like an Ironman um, um, legacy guy. But he said, uh, if, you, if you have to ask why, you'll never understand. And I think it's such a powerful statement of like, yeah, it's true. If you have to ask why you're doing that, you're never going to understand it completely. Do it yourself. I, I always respond. I mean, it's like it's like you asking me why, how electricity yeah, works. Nah. I don't know. I mean, it's <laughs> like it just works. It's just, look, it only works. I don't have to figure it out, man. It only works for me. Yeah, I'm not gonna go stand outside with a kite in a in a in a key. <laughs> oh, that's what it is. <laughs> exactly. We don't want to no, go to that no, class. No. Um, the second question I have is: anybody in your journey that inspired you? And uh, any any person that inspired you in this journey? Um, God, my my dad passed in 2019 from cancer, and uh, my dad and my mom were at pretty much every race, and um, they 
they mean the world to me. Um, to, um, they stood by me through everything and allowed me to be the person that I wanted to be when I was, when I was in the, in the dumps, they were there. When I was pushing them away, they were still there. Um, and when I went for crazy things like this, um, they were there. And that, that part of, um, parenting, I don't, I, I try, I don't think I could ever emulate that. Um, but they're ones that made me go that extra mile. Um, they're ones that kept me going those miles. Mm. And, um, the time that I was able to spend with them during those, it's, <laughs> it's priceless, man. It's, it's priceless. I would have, I would have spent millions of dollars to be able to have that time again with my dad and my mom. Um, because it was so valuable. Um, they saw me at my best. They saw me at my worst. And, um, yeah, my dad always, uh, he never went to the finish line. He was one finish line, um, Ironman in Arizona. Um, he meddled me. Um, but most of them, most of them, he was always a mile out. And that was the most important thing. I always say my, my finish line is a mile out. Um, because that's when you, mm. you're by yourself, you know, that you're going to make it, but that, that struggle has come to that, that point and like that mile out, you just feel the power of what that day was by yourself. And then you can get to the finish line and it's, it's great. You know, everybody cheering, but that mile out and that's where my dad was always at. And that's, that's what's super valuable to me. It's usually in the mile before you finish the race, even the, it wouldn't matter how tired or how destroyed nutritionally, mentally, there was always a burst of energy. Yeah. Oh, by far. By far. I don't know yeah. what it was. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what it was. It must have been the cheers. I get goosebumps yeah. just thinking a bit. But I would hear the music. I would hear I would see the, yep. the lights. But I would something about that burst of energy that you can sprint all of a sudden to and before you couldn't even move your legs to the next, you were you were questioning whether your legs would be going that next step. But then all of a sudden it's like I can sprint. Something is just getting a hold of me. And um, it's quite interesting that you're, it's a mile out with yeah. your dad, you know? He knew. And, he uh, knew. <laughs> and I'm sorry for his passing. Yeah, I mean, and uh, I'm sure you still have that great communication with him and you still talk to him every, in meditation or in prayer, whatever it is. By far, by far. He always said, he always said, control the controllables. And, and that's, uh, that was always a great statement and still holds true today. Having parents like that, it's, um, yeah, it must be something amazing. It's powerful. <laughs> it definitely is. <laughs> so what, Rob, let me ask you, what advice would you give our listeners, given your experience that you have acquired so far? And I want to add to this question. You have a son, yes? Son and two daughters. What, it, I mean, and two <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> what I mean, what what advice would you give kids that are listening to this as well? So I think the first thing for the adults, um, I think the biggest thing is um, start that self talk. Uh, it's so powerful. I mean, we 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 learn to talk to other people, we learn to communicate with other people, but we never really have that true understanding of how to have proper self talk. And I think that starts with um, addressing the issues that you have with yourself, addressing the need to either tell yourself excuses 
or tell yourself false truths. You know, there's excuses and false truths are kind of the same thing, but false truths are like, I think I can do this when you know that you can't and you don't have the mental capacity to do it. I think the more that people can put themselves in uncomfortable situations, um, self-uncomfortable situations, I always called, I had tolerance training what I did. And what I do is I'd put on like a sweatsuit, mm. um, didn't matter what temperature it was out. And then I put on a 45 pound weight vest and I'd go out and I'd run. That was my, that was my tolerance training. I knew it was going to suck. Um, but that's, that was where I could get my, my mental self-talk, my, my positive mental self-talk to start to progress. Um, so I think that's the one big piece of advice for adults that I would say, um, to start with. And for kids, I think the one big thing is be your unique self. There's so much out there nowadays where everybody's trying to be somebody else and somebody is trying to impress somebody else. The biggest thing as a kid is to feel comfortable in how unique, how strange, how whatever it is you are, embrace that and then live it to the fullest. Because you get one chance at this thing called life. And trust me, it is it is something, <laughs> quote Rocky, it is something that will beat you to your knees. Mm. But it's something that is great because you have the opportunity to make the path that you want. You have the opportunity to make the journey that you want. And along that journey, you can, with the positivity and the uniqueness that these kids bring, they can bring that uniqueness that positivity and that impact to others to do the same thing. And just think if that, if that transition throughout life, man, we'd have so many different great perspectives. We'd have so many, so much more tolerance. We'd have so much more, um, just people moving forward instead of sideways or backwards. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, what would happen if tomorrow your daughter would come to you and it's like one of your daughters, daddy, I want to be a firefighter. Be like, hell no. <laughs> I was that for an answer um you know I, I think I think I I think it's a great profession you know and I and I love it and I think you know the mental side of the profession I I actually understand a lot more now and I think making sure that you're prepared and I think a lot of people don't understand they see the glamour they see the glitz of oh you don't have to work that much or um, you know, oh my God, it's got to be really, they see Chicago fire and all this other stuff. And and they think that's mm. what it is. Yeah. And it's like a very, very minuscule part of it. And I'm not trying to knock the fire service. I love the fire service. I've been in it for many, many years. Um, I just think people have to be prepared for the um, after effects of what it can do to your life. And, and that it is, it's a physical dynamic environment that um, stresses your body and your mind. And, um, you know, not that my kids couldn't handle it, but, you know, I want them to come into something prepared and not like I did. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, kudos, man. It's, yeah. That's what being a dad is for, right? Oh, exactly. It's the hardest job we'll ever have. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I concur. <laughs> Rob, listen. Wow. I mean, it's um, great. <laughs> I love it. Hey, I've had a blast. It, like I could talk to you forever, dude. I mean, honestly, it's, it's you're one of those people that I could really just not not put a stop on this record right now. But um, thank you, thank you very much. And I want I deeply 
deep heartedly appreciate everything that you have shared. And uh, I want people to know more about you, man. I mean, uh, do you have any, uh, do you have any social media that they can go and visit you or, or your website? Yeah. So they can go to firemanrob.com. Um, I've got uh, different, uh, you know, I do speaking engagements. I'm actually, I have an online academy that people can take. Um, I have a book out. Um, and then mo I actually, my only social media, and this is kind of funny, but I only do uh, LinkedIn. And uh, because I was like, you know, okay. I, I don't like filtered pictures. I don't like all this other stuff. It was taken away from my my own engagement in life. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to do one and I'm going to do LinkedIn. And so that's where I'm on. It's uh, Robert Fireman Rob Verhelst on LinkedIn. And yeah, otherwise, um, yeah, on my website, people can get a hold of me and reach out and all that stuff. And I actually do um, coaching as well um, with all the seven catalysts that I talk about. And so love doing it. And uh, it's fun. <laughs> You're a beast. You're a beast, man. And uh, wow, I truly appreciate you. Uh, we're going to make sure that we put all your information on our on our site as well. And um, for our listeners, you can actually download everything that we have spoken about and uh, all the sites that Rob has just mentioned. Rob, again, my man, I appreciate you so much. And I hope you visit us again, man. And um, we'll discuss more more races. I don't know if you have any more coming up. I will see. <laughs> we'll see. That's it. We'll That's going to be a dot, That's dot, a dot. That's <laughs> famous last words. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right after this, I'm signing exactly, up for a race. Exactly. I love it. No, I appreciate your time. And I appreciate you getting out um, people's stories and messages. That's It's so important in today's society. You're the man, Rob. I appreciate you. Thank you very much for being on the show. Thank you, everybody. Don't forget to follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere that you can have your podcast listened to. And also just uh, give us a shout out and uh, tell us how we're doing. I'm always open for feedback. I'm always open for any suggestions, topics that you might want to be more interested in or anybody that you want us to reach out, that you want to be listening to their stories. We're all game for that. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to Endurance Cartel. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, subscribe to the podcast and give us a review wherever you get your podcast. Join our cartel by supporting us on Patreon and receive other perks. Hey, why not? Maybe even become a guest. Ah, I almost forgot. Join our website at endurancecartel.com. And if you like, leave us a message with a question or topic that interests you and we may even feature it on our future episode. You can also find more information about our episodes by visiting our blog and subscribing to our newsletter. That's it for now. We'll see you next time, same place, same vibes. Be good. Endurance Cartel.